Welcome to the $100 MBA show, education and inspiration to get you through your day and your business journey every single day with our daily 10-minute business lessons for the real world. I'm your host, your coach, your teacher, Omar Zenholm. I'm also the co-founder of Webinar Ninja, an independent software company I started with my co-founder back in 2014. And today's episode is a special kind of episode where we go a little bit longer and go a bit deeper. We call these types of episodes extended interviews, where I sit down with a business founder and extract their business knowledge and share it with you. You're gonna get to be a fly on the wall as I sit down and have a conversation with Ronsley Vaz. Ronsley is the founder of Must Amplify and the first podcasting conference in Australia, We Are Podcasts. We're gonna get into his backstory, how he got into the podcasting world, but we're really gonna dive into how he created Australia's first podcasting conference, the challenges, the fears, and the things he learned along the way. We are podcasts in its ninth iteration, and it's hosting its live in-person conference this November 10th and 11th in Brisbane, Australia. This is a hell of an event, I know, because I spoke at two of them live and one of them virtually when we're in the pandemic. And I'll be speaking at this event in November, as well as my partner in business and life, Nicole. If you want to learn more about We Are Podcast, go to wearepodcast.com slash events. Today, we're gonna dissect what it takes to pull off an event like this. In my conversation with Ronsley, I asked some tough questions because I really wanted to find out what are the challenges he sees every single year he runs this event. So if you're thinking about starting your own event, whether it's a small local event, a meetup, a dinner, or a multi-day event like We Are Podcasts, you're gonna love this episode. Let's get into it, let's get down to business. Support for today's show comes from Capital One. With the Spark Cash Plus card from Capital One, you earn unlimited 2% cash back on every purchase. And it has no present spending limit, so your purchasing power can adapt to meet your business needs. Take Antonelli's own Antonelli's Cheese Shop in Austin, Texas. They use their 2% cash back from the Spark Cash Plus card to help cover their employees' healthcare costs. Imagine what the Spark Cash Plus card from Capital One can do for your business. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms and conditions apply. Find out more at CapitalOne.com slash Spark Cash Plus. Having the right tools to run your business is really important, and that's why we recommend Zero. Zero is the easiest, most powerful accounting software we know. And the reason why we know is because we're big users. We run all our businesses with Zero. It integrates with our banking, all our financial apps and payment processors. It's easy for us, it's easy for our bookkeepers and accountants, and it's built for business owners, not financial nerds. If you want to make it easy on yourself to handle the numbers, check out Zero. Go to Zero. That's X E R O dot com slash podcasts. As I mentioned earlier, Ronzi Voss, today's extended interview guest, Must Amplify, is an agency that helps business owners build great audio content. He's worked with big companies and brands like Gary Vaynerchuk, VaynerMedia, as well as Audible audiobooks here in Australia. We're going to jump into the conversation right now with Ronzi Voss, but I'll be back to wrap up the episode, give my takeaways, and share what are the next steps for you if you want to start an event. So let's jump into that conversation right now with Ronsley Vaz. Ronsley Vaz, it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, we've known each other for what, like six, seven years now? 
yeah, maybe 2016, 2015, 2016. Yeah. It feels like the other day, though. Like, it yes. doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like, um, yeah, but so cool. Um, getting to know you and Nicole has been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it's been awesome kind of uh, uh, learning from you, learning about what you do. Um, and uh, we're going to go real deep in today's episode. Uh, so like uh, a lot of our previous uh, extended interviews, what we like to do is kind of just learn a little bit about um, Ronzi as the person before we get into, you know, uh, you know, your We Are podcast event, the first Australian uh, podcasting conference, uh, all that kind of stuff and what it takes to kind of pull off an event like that. Um, but uh, you moved to Australia when you were 18. Is that correct? Not 18, uh, 20s, so 20, actually, so 20 years ago, roughly okay. is when I moved. Uh, so uh, 20 and a bit, I forget the math, but um, I moved after university. I worked for a little while um, in Bangalore and I was like, I need to get out. So. Okay. <laughs> but you grew up in Goa or is that your hometown? Well, I grew, so... I was born in Bahrain for six years of my life, uh -huh. lived in the Middle East, uh, and then moved to Goa and then grew up in Goa um, and did till year 12 in Goa, which is kind of different to other parts of, of India. Mm. And then for four years, did my bachelor's degree in computer science and engineering um, uh, in, in, in the next door state. So I was out of Goa for like four years and, and learning about other parts of Indian culture, but also like to get that degree I did, I had to give 64 exams in four years. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so that's like kind of like the big contrast of like doing, you know, studying, I suppose, in, in India versus coming here and then doing a couple of degrees here, which became so much easier after like, yeah, you kind of do that kind of workload, but yeah, they they definitely love exams in India. I know that for sure. My Indian friends talk, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, were there any entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial minded people that you knew when you were growing up? Um, an uncle, a friend, a dad. You know, when were you first exposed to entrepreneurship? Yeah, dad. I mean, I never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. To be honest, I just thought. Uh, dad was the entrepreneur in the family. Actually, dad was the entrepreneur in the family who learned from his grandmother. So he, my great grandmother, uh, started off like selling, uh, fish, right. And then started selling like these vegetables that she, so then started like, uh, getting land, growing on the land and selling that. And mm. that was how I, I started. And then dad, uh, uh, got into construction, um, you know, take off, he would take over like a piece of land and then kind of develop that and, and then what, and then he would sell that. So he was the, you know, and I think he always thought I would take over the business, but I was like, no, I, I really didn't, didn't kind of, I didn't, I didn't see myself as an entrepreneur and I didn't really want to be uh, Richard's son, which is what I was doing. <laughs> I kind of wanted to be Ronsley. I wanted to figure myself out. And I think uh, that's why, you know, leaving home early was, was also a good idea for me so that I could like figure just my stuff out and figure who I was really. Yeah. I mean, this is not an uncommon kind of path. We all need to discover who we are at some point, um, regardless of who our parents are or what they did. Um, you know, and their definition of success is always different than our definition of success. Um, so if we fast forward to, uh, today, um, 
does 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 your dad and your your family your mom i met your parents at an event one time but do they understand what you do do they um like fully grasp like uh the magnitude of the things you've built no not at all <laughs> i don't they, they just don't don't even it doesn't even like i don't think it even sunk in or sinks in um I remember the first one I ran, the first We Are podcast, and I kind of went and told him, you know, I'm running the first podcasting conference in Australia. I don't know how it's going to go. And and they were like, oh, cool, nice. That sounds awesome. Like, but it was, they did, it didn't really land, I think. Mm. Um, even maybe, you know, writing the book and uh, giving them the first copy. I don't think it all lands necessarily. I think it's just like, oh, he's just my kid, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's got to be humble. He's got to be nice to people. He's got to be happy and healthy. And and really that's, I don't think they think past that point probably. Um, mm. uh, so it's a bit, it's a bit interesting. I mean, I feel like everything I have is a platform that they built and it allowed me to kind of stand on because I could have been born in any kind of family really. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I give perspective to the listeners, I'm maybe one of two or three people that made it out of my class you know, of, of year 10 class, right. Made it out of, out of Goa. Um, so, you know, I think I'm lucky to kind of have this opportunity because of them, like, you know, would have not made it to Australia if not for them. So, and then figuring it all out is, uh, was what Australia makes Australia great. I think it's just land of opportunity. They say the United States, but I don't, I don't know. I, 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 don't know. <laughs> I, I think Australia is like, full of opportunity i would agree with that like i was quite surprised with how easy it is to do certain things in australia like creating a business you can do that in 24 hours like register your business as an entity with the government like it's so fast because everything is centralized you know banking is much easier um you know just just sorting out your life even just like uh, in terms of the legalities all the forms even at, like at the motor vehicles are written in like plain English. Like you understand, you don't have to get like an expert to, to, to explain what this says. Um, and it's very refreshing because it, 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 what I love about Australia is that it levels the playing field. Like nobody's better than anybody. Anybody can do anything. Um, and uh, to a fault sometimes you know, with the tall poppy syndrome, you know, but, but uh, I do believe that that's where Australia really shines is because uh, because of that, you know, I think in the U.S. there's there's that sentiment of like, no, there's levels to this, and you know, we're not all created equal in terms of like our skills and our talents, and you know, we often they credit things to talent. People don't say talk like that here in Australia. Would you mm-hmm. uh, agree with that? Well, I think just to give perspective, right? If I'm here for twenty or twenty-one years, uh, I came as a software engineer. Uh, I did that. I did. I took two companies to ISO 9001. I did two master's degrees. This is all in Australia, right? This is all mm. in the. This is how much opportunity is here. Um, took two companies to ISO 9001. Um, became a financial advisor for a couple of years. Did that. Um, opened a restaurant. Became a chef, fully qualified chef. Uh, and then started a. Um, a chefing agency mm. and then started a podcast uh, training, podcast conference, podcast agency, signed the first deal with Amazon Audible in Australia, 10 year deal in 2017, TEDx talk, TED became a TED talk in 2020, wrote a book. Like 
like I, I can't like even when I'm yeah. saying it now I'm like did that all really happen when, is that me yeah <laughs> like, like did that happen um yeah mm. but I that's kind of the opportunity here if if um if you have intention maybe I don't know I, I don't know whether yeah. I had intention on purpose but I just sort of it just sort of happens now that it sounds like a cool story I don't know whether I knew what I was doing at every step of yeah, the way. but you were willing to give it a shot. Like that—that's what I know about you. Is that like you know you may not fully feel a thousand percent confident in something, but you'll you'll go for it. You know, and and that's really um, the the best thing you could do when opportunity arises. Yeah, and I think that what what other people might see as uh, a risky situation, I kind of have multiple safety nets. Uh, or safety scenarios that I've created for myself mm. in the sense that like, I think everyone kind of thinks a podcast is a content creation tool, mm. marketing tool. And I'm like, no, a podcast is a business development tool and it is the best business development tool that exists. It just happens to create content. It just happens to create business, happens to create distribution, happens to create partnerships. Um, and for a business specifically, and I think, just the way my brain works, maybe uh, after the probably the restaurant and it yeah. uh, failing, and maybe that kind of helped me to start ventures that have backup plans. Um, but again, there are some scenarios that there's a point like we are podcast, for example. Yeah. You can like there are no backup plans in this situation. It's like you just have to go all out and kind of say okay, here I am, we'll see what turns out. And uh, it is scary, like after totally. doing this, so this, is our ni- this is my ninth iteration of doing this and it's still as scary as it was the first time. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into the to the event stuff. Um, but you touched on yeah, being a chef, starting your own restaurant, uh, having some challenges there. But in that experience, you started your podcast, Bon Appetit, which um, was a big hit. Um, huge, uh, uh, start for you into podcasting kind of got you into the, the world of podcasting. Um, what did you learn from that experience? Everything, man, (laughs) what, um, it is the basis for everything that I have around me today, the relationships, the people, the life, the freedom, like I get really emotional thinking about it because holy shit, like there was only like there was no money in the account. Like I remember spending $179 on this podcast kit. And um, what I learned is I'm a bad listener, a hundred, like a thousand five hundred interviews later, I still feel like, you know, in an interview, I'm gone off and not listening, right? I still feel like I'm a bad listener. And I definitely was shown up a few times when I started the podcast. Uh, I feel that I've gotten to converse with some amazing humans. I've mm. spoken to people on death row, like they were inside prison, like how many barriers to get through and yeah. had this conversation with uh, art, like entrepreneur artists who are trying to get their art out from being on death row, which is crazy. Yeah. Right. And so I think that uh, what I learned from that is consistency is key. Like when I started off, I was, not a great podcaster. I'm still feel like I'm a young one in the game. I still Mm. learning. Um, and the best thing about the podcast is the reps, 
like no one can take the reps away from you. Like you can take everything else away. You can't take the reps away. And those reps give you other things that you can build on, which um, right now are the relationships that I have. And it's because I've sort of had interviews with all these people. That's so true, man. Um, It reminds me of Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography, Total Recall. He has a chapter called Reps, Reps, Reps. And obviously he's referring to you know, the, the analogy of going to the gym and putting in the reps and he, the whole chapter is about like the beauty about the reps is not about uh, it's the road to improvement or success or the riches. It's actually what's great about it is that it's the only thing you can control. You're, you can only control your consistent effort. Like you don't really have a lot of control over the end result or um, you know, outside circumstances, the market, how they people receive this, all of this stuff. And what you just touched on is, is really important, you know, especially with podcasting, because there's an audience waiting for your next episode, you know, is just being that being consistent, just being addicted to the process and not really worrying too much about, um, you know, how my metrics looking, all that kind of stuff. I think when you focus on the craft, like you mentioned, um, Similar to being a chef, you know, focus on creating a great dish, you know, the, the, the customers will come. Yeah. And I think you, you're right. I think I keep, I forget the amount of reps in general that I have put in, like in general, like just, just the amount of stuff that I've done and continue to do on regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when success comes, it's like, oh, that was easy, but actually I've, it's my brain not, you know, playing tricks on me. Yeah. And <laughs> forgetting all the work that has been put in. So the reps are so important because after a while, it doesn't feel like a rep anymore. It's just right. habit. And that habit suddenly turns into what some of some a really dear friend of mine, Carly Ryan, calls me the master of possibilities. <laughs> and she's like, I don't know how you manage these things. I'm like, literally, I don't know how they happen. But they happen and they happen regularly. And I think it's just because of the reps and um, and being okay with um, having absolutely no control on whether they land or they don't land, really. Totally, totally. So speaking of reps, uh, this is the ninth rep or, uh, you know, iteration of We Are Podcast, which is Australia's first podcasting conference. Um, I have spoken twice in person, once virtually. I'll be speaking this year on, in November uh, in Brisbane, uh, and it's it's an incredible event, you know. But it had to start somewhere. It wasn't always like uh, as good as I remember it. Um, so uh, take me back to that first time you said, mm, "I got this idea of this kind of event." Like, take me from idea to you know the actual event being pulled off. Yeah, um, this is probably easily the hardest thing I've ever done, right? I think I'd never put on an event for two people before, ever. I mean, I'd put on events like parties, but not conferences where people were paying, exchanging money for a ticket. That was the first sort of event that I had done where people kind of went, here's my money, can I have a ticket? So... My thought at the po- at that time was because I had like a chefing company, my thoughts were like, how can I bring all these people together who are high performers? Because that was our market at the time where, you know, Bond Abadie was a chef company that would go to people's homes and cook their meals for them. So I was talking to a, a mentor of mine who you've met as well, Andrew Griffiths. It was mm. a, 
I remember in Brisbane having just a conversation with him. And now I forget whether it was a breakfast or a lunch, but I was like, I want to have this event where, you know, maybe like an awards for bringing all these people together so that, um, you know, I kind of want to be at the center of it or be the connector between all these people. And he's like, why don't you have a podcast conference? And I said, but there is no podcast conference. Mm. And he, he waited for it for me it to land. Like I literally did not even like, you know, and it took me a while to kind of go, are you telling me to run the first podcast conference in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, why not? Like the way you speak about it and the way you want people to like, so like, I'm like, yeah, I mean, if they only understand, if Australian businesses only understand how they can actually use this podcast for their, like it was, it was always a business thing like that, like useful thing back mm. then. Like, how can you use this platform to kind of convey value, right? Um, and he's like, well, I think you should think about that. And that idea just never went away. It was just eating at me. Um, and then initially I kind of got together like a group of three, four people who were going to do this with me together. And, and what I did was I contacted a whole bunch of people who had run events and I kind of asked them and every single one of them were like, Ronsley, don't do events. Your podcast is just started to do really cool, cool things. Do not get into an event. And I'm like, so why? And they would give me all these reasons. Um, and I would write them down. And here's what's really interesting, which I realize now, I had contingencies for all those scenarios. Mm. So I would kind of take what they said and why not to do it. And I would have and create contingencies. So part of what they said was, you know, people are going to tell you that it's a great idea and come on the journey and suddenly feel like it's not for them and drop out. Mm. So when all those things happen, I was prepared. I was prepared for like, you know, those kind of things happen where people were like, oh, I don't want to be part of this thing anymore. Yeah. So, man, it was a journey. It like started there and uh, 2015 ran the first podcasting conference in Australia. It happened in, in on the Gold Coast. Uh, Gold Coast City did a big article on it. It was mm. crazy. Uh, got the support of the city, uh, got support of the venue, got support of um, a few sponsors. We had actually like, I think 12 grand in sponsorship mm. the first year, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and 173 people bought tickets. <laughs> which That's I, amazing. I'm That's so, amazing. I'm so grateful. So grateful for. Yeah. 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 And, 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 um, what I love about events in general, um, you know, I've run a couple in my life, uh, not a large like multi-day conference. Um, I just uh, wrapped up a, a smaller kind of mastermind conference for founders in Australia um, called OSCON. But um, there is kind of this lead up to the actual day. It's almost like a product launch. And there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of anxiety because, you know, in my case, people have paid thousands of dollars to, you know, to be a part of this event. I got to make sure they, they show up and they do well and, and every, they have a good time and they, they don't regret their decision. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, I want to have fun. I want to make sure that I enjoy this process. So, cause if I don't enjoy it, I'm probably not going to do it again. So what do you do to try to enjoy the process, especially when the events happening those days of the event? 
well, funny enough, I enjoy my whole event. Like I enjoy the whole event phase. Um, and in almost all instances, except maybe the first one, um, didn't do any work on the week of the event. So it was already done. Yeah. Right. Most of the things were already done. Um, and the reason, like, I don't stress about whether people are the, the thing that I worry about the most is people not turning up, mm. but I know that once they turn up, I have programmed it in a way that they're going to have a good time, mm-hmm. not only because I take care of the content, but also because I take care of the connections. I take care of them meeting other people. I put them on certain tables. I kind of make sure certain people talk to certain people. And it's really fascinating because uh, that used to be me doing things always. Like it's always been like, I would be, hey, I'm having a party, do you wanna come? Mm. Um, And I just kind of like realized that this was just my party. Yeah, I just had to plan it really well so that while things were going on, um, I was not having to think during those times. So a lot of the th- thinking is already done. A lot yeah. of the thinking is already sorted. Uh, at during the event, it's literally flow for me. Like it, from the first one, even from 2015, it was like that. Uh, it just that 2015 took a lot out of me because my energy was being. S- sapped and I was everything. I was the MC and I was doing the first keynote and I was like, I didn't know what that looked like and I didn't know how much it would take out of me, but you know, I I got better at understanding my capacity as well. Yeah. I love that. I love the fact the learnings that you got out of, you know, uh, your own energy, your own time, understanding that like, if I plan ahead, you know, even a week before the event, I can relax and I can just enjoy the process. Uh, that's super important. You know, I think a lot of people learned that the hard way. Um, you talked a little bit about, you know, as long as people show up. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what are the things you've learned along the way in terms of what works, what doesn't work when it comes to selling tickets and having people show up uh, to the event uh, on time and and uh, and participate throughout the whole event? Yeah, well, I'll take tackle the first part yeah. of the question first, because I think um, getting people to the event um, is always scary, but somehow people turn up. I, I think it's only because of the strategy or the reps to, to the day. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times what happens is, and it happens even now. So right now, yesterday, I went through it, the same feeling of, Oh my God, this is so scary. What am I doing the right thing? I should just abort change plan and do something else. And that's the thing that we don't want to do, right? We want to do all the thinking at the start, do all the strategizing and just do the reps. Like don't question the method at during the thing. And I think that is key to selling tickets (laughs) to be calm to be calm or pretend to be calm and um and do the reps whatever the reps look like just making sure you're everywhere you know doing uh the content piece telling the database uh, partnerships uh for me it's always been partnerships it's always been um hey can we get around this audience Hmm. this audience cares about 
this thing and you make their lives easier because you do certain things. I make their lives easier because I do certain things. Mm-hmm. How about we come together and service this audience and make their lives easier? And that's the simple strategy of like building relationships and co-working with um, or co-creating for the same audience, but with people that have no competitive overlap with you. Right. Right. That's a, that's a important kind of, uh, decision. Um, but I love mm. the fact that, uh, you remind yourself that, Hey, I'm not going to get all my tickets sold out in one day. It's going to take some time. You, I mean, from, from what I hear and what my own experience is that often it, it's up until the event, you know, maybe even a week or two before the event when things start selling, um, which is, can be nerve wracking, <laughs> you know, uh, because you want to make sure that you're, you got bums on seats. Um, so uh, moving on past, you know, okay, we got the tickets sold, the events happening, uh, the event is a smash hit. Everything's great. When do you start planning next year's event? How do you start thinking about next year event? What, what goes in your mind as soon as like, okay, last keynote's done. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Uh, it's, uh, it's funny because I don't want we are podcast to end. Like when it starts, I don't want it to end. And when it's done, I keep having the conversation with myself, whether I want to go through selling tickets again. Mm. That's the only thing I kind of want, because I think like I am the artist who kind of feels like selling is not the thing, right? And I'm having to learn how Mm. to provide value in a way that kind of goes, well, I have so much value to offer. And part of my art is helping you see the art, not me kind of going, wow, this is great art, right? Yeah. So I'm getting better at that. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to change that though, because a good friend of mine told me to sell tickets for the next event. At <laughs> Sounds this, like a smart guy. <laughs> yeah, at this event. And you know what? I take these kind of things that friends say just in, in, in passing, like uh, as gospel. You know, I, I yeah. literally like look into that, not like I, I, I'll act on it, like in the sense that I won't do the thing, but I'll dig deeper into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And everything that has been planned now for We Are Podcast is to announce next year's We Are Podcast, is to sell tickets for next year's podcast, right. uh, We Are Podcast. And it is also to kind of provide more value than what I have been providing Mm -hmm. all this while because I have not been wanting to say certain things like, oh, I have this service that could make your life easier. Um, So I'm like working on myself to kind of build value and exchange value in a, in a way that is useful. Um, But I'm, I'm also trying to find a way that I can just go all you podcasters understand the process of, of creating and putting work out there. Um, let's all share stories yeah. because I still have the same issues I have when I started, which is I want more listeners. I want more revenue. I want more credibility for right. my podcast. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, I think we're all, we're all in that same boat, you know, trying to, trying to grow and, and we're, we're often content, but not satisfied. So that's, uh, that's, that's usually the case with entrepreneurs. I want to talk a little bit about, um, the speakers you bring on to these events. Uh, you also do a speaker retreat, which I want to kind of talk about and, and, and 
and my experience with that. Um, so you've had a ton of amazing speakers come to We Are Podcast. You know, um, you've had Adam Franklin, you've had you know Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, Kate uh, in Dumas now. Her name is Kate Dumas now, but was Kate Erickson at the time. Um, you know, Michael O'Neill. You've had tons of great people come on the on the um, come on the stages of We Are Podcast. Uh, this year, um, you know, I'm coming back. Nicole as well is going to be speaking uh, on an incredible topic when it comes to securing sponsors, managing sponsors. Uh, she's she's already been working on it, actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, also, um, you know, the founder and CEO of uh, Flight Center, which is the biggest, um, you know, uh, travel agency here in Australia. It's it's quite big, and and uh, there's a flight center on every corner here. It's like McDonald's. Um, <laughs> How do you choose your speakers? What 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 are what are the kind of steps you take in terms of curating your speaker lineup? And um, you know, uh, I want to learn a little bit more about like the kind of group you try to uh, kind of present to your audience and how that fits in with the theme of the actual uh, event. This year's theme being growth. Yeah, well, um, variety of different things. I I definitely want speakers there who are. Who love being there and Nicole and you love being there, which is like becomes like a no brainer. Right. Um, and we love having you there and love having like all the value delivers like insane. So just, um, having you back is amazing. Um, the way I think about curating a podcast conference is I don't want people to come in and have a bigger to-do list after they leave. Like I don't want, them to feel so overwhelmed with all the content that they just don't know what to execute next. Mm. So the way I do it is like, there's lots of group work now. Uh, there's lots of um, connection pieces. And when the content is delivered, it's delivered in a way that allows them to decide how to execute it, right? How they're going to take action on it or how, whether it applies to them at this point, or whether it's a strategy that they can employ in six months from now or a year from now when they are ready for that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the meanwhile, for the things that they already want to execute, they can, and more importantly, they have the people around them to make that easier. Yep. Um, so when it comes to growth this year, I mean, the obvious things are the, like how to grow listeners, that is new audience, how to grow revenue, which is making it sustainable, sponsorships, clients, and so on. And then uh, growing credibility, which makes it more tractable, like people write about it, want to hear about it. You In the marketplace, you become more credible. So the obvious ones is to go for the same content on those three subjects, but then uh, what better way to think about growth than the people who have done it before the internet was even a thing, right? There's lessons to be learned in business from there. So uh, Screw Turner, as he's politely called <laughs> amongst his friends, um, again, interviewed him on my podcast, became a friend. He's been to dinner a few times. Um, uh, he's called me. I got a like text message from him, which is insane, right? Um, and I was like, Hey, how about I interview you on how you like from a bus, you made this $17 billion a year business. Yeah. Um, and he does a lot of media and like, that's going to be an interesting conversation. Philip DeBella, 
um, you know, started Debella Coffee, which is everywhere all around the planet and sold it and, you know, has now started the coffee commune and it's like an incredible business brain. Mm. So trying to get not just one way of looking at delivering content, but a- allowing the, sh- the, 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 uh, the schedule to kind of be of value from multiple different angles, right? And having backup plans for like covering different sort of topics and different scenarios. Yeah, that's and that's kind of the vibe I get when I go as a speaker. Um, one of the things that a lot of people don't know um, that attend We Are Podcast is you organize a speaker retreat after the event. So literally right after the event, we get on a bus and we go somewhere where all the speakers that spoke at the event uh, are like, uh, spend, spend a few days together. Um, uh, the last time I went, it was me and Jordan Harmager and Jenny and Pat Flynn was there and uh, just a bunch of great podcasters, Travis Chapel, you know, and we just had a great time. We, we got to network. We did, uh, some interesting, uh, you know, I don't know how much I could share, but this is a very interesting, uh, sessions with different kinds of, um, you know, uh, wellness people, healers, just interesting. Just like I'm, I'm, I'm a kind of person that like, regardless if I agree or disagree with something, I'm open to learn. I'm open to figure out what this is all about and then question my beliefs and question my assumptions. So, but, um, tell me a little bit about like, why did you decide it was always this way attaching the, the retreat for the speakers and, um, and what's kind of the goal of that retreat for you? Wow. There is, actually, to be honest, there is no goal for the retreat other than uh, me sitting in a corner, seeing all the people that said yes to being there. Like, literally, that's my only joy. <laughs> and I think I, I might, like, um, kind of maybe worry a bit too much about the speaker retreat uh, because of the kind of people that are there and that have said yes to being there. And uh, it's really cool. Um, and how it transpires and what comes out of that is, is also really cool. Just setting the container. Um, and I get genuine joy about just being at the back of the room and seeing all these amazing people in one room. Like, I don't know why that is. And I, yeah, maybe it's, I feel um, you. yeah, but that seems to be like my, my joy. So I feel like all these amazing speakers get lots of things at different conferences, which is, you know, they get uh, the adoration of the fans and they get their value being heard and they get more distribution and they get a platform, all those kind of things. But what if I could take it one step further and make sure that the speakers got understood for where they're at Mm -hmm. and also kind of feel like, like I can't tell you the more the most important messages that I've been getting recently um, is it's okay you're in launch just calm it happens to everyone and people who've done launches understanding that and saying that makes me feel like I'm not doing it alone I'm not broken right yes. I'm constantly thinking that oh I'm just broken it doesn't happen to it, it's happening to me and it's only going to happen to me mm-hmm. so. Having a speaker retreat um, is purely about creating a container where um, cool stuff happens. So, um, yeah, that's that's the goal of the retreat. Yeah, I mean, for me, the the biggest takeaways were just like getting to know people as people, not just like as these personalities. Whether it's like 
you know, uh, learning a little bit more about Pat Flynn and him balancing his family life and his work life, uh, you know, learning that, you know, Sean D'Souza um, from Psycho Tactics makes a killer biryani. Uh, he, he made his biryani. It was an incredible dinner. All right. Um, you know, just just understanding that we we have our life online, we have our products or services or podcasts or brand, all that kind of stuff. But then we also are people in this world that are trying to make it happen and 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 be loved and and love other people and and seeing that makes them more human and it also makes you more human because you realize okay man um i i'm not the only one working through things so i think that's super helpful for you to to kind of pull that off and and make it part of the event um and adds value to the the speakers as well so i, I definitely i definitely love it um one thing i want to touch on before we do wrap up when it comes to the We Are Podcast event, um, is a little bit about the debate of when you run an event, should you have sponsors? Should you not be sponsor free? Do you, how do you handle that conversation in your mind, and what decisions have you made along the way? Well, I think always having the option of sponsors is is huge, um, and they come with different problems. To your point, I, for for one hundred percent. And communication with the sponsors, especially if they're like the top sponsor is super, super important, which I've had to learn the hard way, unfortunately, just because I, you know, didn't really wrap my head around certain things. And I did, I was had a lot of spinning plates and did not account for this one in particular. But the way I set out sponsors is quite simple, simple. Like I don't want to change the name of the event. But if someone is willing to put a decent amount of money at that point, I will consider changing the event. So I just put that price on the sponsorship document. And then I offer different people, different versions of what they can do at the event because I am bringing together a whole bunch of people. And, um, you know, I keep thinking that we've not done sponsorships, but sponsors have always been part of We Are Podcast. Mm. Uh, we've always gotten every year, actually, at some stage, we've gotten money from someone to say, can we advertise on at We Are Podcast for certain things? Yeah. So I think that when you're running an event, just having the option to have the conversation is key. Because when you come to We Are Podcast, that's not you don't feel that like you don't feel like it's a sponsored event because of the way I run it. And it's probably, probably, but, um, but there's always the option for sponsors to be come on board. Uh, the way I, I go about, uh, doing the sponsor part necessarily or partnership part is actually getting people who have the same market and no competitive overlap to be partners and distribution and getting, my brand in front of more people and getting their brand in front of our people. And that's the way I go about uh, promoting We Are Podcast or my main focus right now is, is just that, is like, how can I deliver value to the people who can deliver value for me? It's, yep. it's very simple. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, uh, I, I always tell people if you're in Australia, you have to come to this event. Like this is a no brainer event. Even if you don't have a podcast, you're not even thinking about doing a podcast. You're going to meet interesting people. You're going to get you know inspired. Interesting ideas will be out there. Um, if you're not in Australia, this is a great excuse to come to Australia. Um, especially if you have like frequent flyer miles that are going to expire because you know, COVID, we couldn't do anything. So time to cash them in. Um, but, uh, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, uh, you know, 
um, enjoy this this week with you guys in the event and the speaker retreat. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about my my session, which I'll be talking about how people can monetize their podcasts through creating their first product. Uh, this is something that we've done over and over and over with with our show and and with uh, with our products and services. Um, so more about that a little bit later. But I wanted to thank you, Ronsley, for being on the podcast, for sharing your story, sharing the struggles you went through, the things you've learned. Um, and I look forward to seeing you in a couple months. Mate, I I thank you for the platform because I understand what it's like to have one and be responsible for the audience and the content you create. So I'm very grateful that you've given me uh, uh, to share this time on yours. So thank you. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. We all know the power of an email list and growing our email list, but managing it, automating our emails, making sure they actually get into the inbox, that's where ConvertKit comes in. ConvertKit is an all-in-one email marketing platform. I've used a lot of different email marketing platforms and we use ConvertKit for a reason. It just works. It does what you need it to do. It's simple, it's easy, and it keeps improving every single day. Plus, you can start for free. Go ahead to 100mba.net slash ConvertKit to get started. Today's episode is supported by WP Engine, our favorite WordPress hosting by far. We host all our websites on WP Engine because they're the best. Their customer support is incredible. They're like having a tech team by your side 24 seven. You got a problem with your website, something's not working right, a plugin is giving you trouble, you're fiddling with your website and can't figure it out. If you jump on support WP Engine, they actually help you out. In most cases I found, they actually just do it for you. They fix it for you. They have lightning speed hosting, and no matter what size your business is or how much traffic you're getting, there's a plan for you. If you're trying to build a website and you love WordPress, WP Engine is the way to go. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off. Just go to WPENG.IN slash MBA and use code WPE20, that's two zero off. Again, just go to WPENG.IN slash MBA and use code WPE20OFF for 20% off. Sign up and thank me later. There you have it. That was Ronsley Vaz sharing his insights in our extended interview. Ronsley is an old friend. We've known each other for some time, but some of the things he shared in that conversation are things I never knew, things he shared for the first time. And I'm so glad because I get to share that with you, our audience. Listen, you heard it from Ronsley. It's scary to run an event. It's scary to worry if people are going to buy the tickets or you're going to fill the seats if you're going to deliver. But it's also important to have fun in the process because that's why you're doing it in the first place. I mentioned before that we run a small local business retreat for founders called OzCon, and I really resonated with some of the things that he discussed. But one of the things I learned in the process of running my own event is what Ronsley mentioned. The planning is your friend. Planning ahead so you're not stressing. Having things in order way in advance. Giving yourself enough time to sell those tickets and spots and fulfill on your promise. This is really the best thing to do. And there, there is really no too early to plan. For example, we just wrapped up in August our uh, event, OSCON 2022, and we've already planned 2023. I would say about 80% of the planning is done. We're going to do some final touches on the planning for the rest of this month, but 
Come October, it's going to be ready to be uh, announced and sold. And that gives me 10 good months to make sure I'm ready for this event. This is how people like Ronsley can do many things at once, meaning they can have an event, they can have an agency, they can have other side projects. It's because of the planning and doing it well in advance. Thanks so much for listening to The $100 MBA Show. If you like these extended interview type episodes, once in a while, not every day, let me know. Let us know in a rating and review. Most podcast apps allow you to give a rating. Apple Podcasts is the best one in terms of writing a review. So go ahead and do that at Apple Podcasts so we can know what you think. We read every piece of feedback so that we can double down on what works and what you love about the show. Before I go, I want to leave you with this. If you're thinking about starting a podcast yourself, and you wanna see this as a way to monetize your business. Well, that's actually what I'm gonna be speaking about at We Are Podcast, how to create your first product to monetize your podcast. And I'm not talking about a few bucks here or there, I'm talking about a full, full-time income, six figures and beyond. Go to wearepodcast.com slash events and buy a ticket. Even if you're not gonna fly to Australia or to Brisbane, buying a ticket allows you to have access to the recordings of all the sessions if you go with the premium ticket. Nicole, my partner, is gonna be speaking on stage about how to secure sponsors for your podcast, how to deal with sponsors, how to come up with your rate card, how to negotiate, how to allocate these spots on your show, all that stuff. And of course, if you are looking for a reason to come to Australia, this is the reason. I'd love to meet you live and in person. And if you are in Australia, this is a no-brainer. You have to sign up for this podcast conference because it's the biggest, it's the best. You're going to meet some incredible people and you're going to learn a ton. Wearepodcast.com slash events. See you there. That wraps up today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The $100 MBA Show. I'll check you in tomorrow's episode. I'll see you then. Take care. Mm-hmm.